So last summer, there was a, a robbery in Santa Clara, California. Two thieves broke into a tech firm, a little startup tech firm in the Silicon Valley, and they decided they were going to steal a bunch of the electronic equipment at this tech firm. So they went in under the cover of night, and they broke into this tech firm, and they, they got about $18,000 worth of equipment. They got some laptops, they got some cell phones, they got some odds and ends and different kinds of mechanical, electronic, high-tech devices. And they got it all, and then they took off. The next morning, the, the startup, the tech entrepreneurs who had started this company, came into their office, and they realized they had been burglarized. Everything was taken. All of the good, important equipment was gone. And so they're pretty distraught. This is a startup business. This wasn't like, you know, some really well-established business. So $18,000 was a significant amount of money, and, and they're trying to figure out, and it was a lot of their products, so they're trying to figure out what to do. And then they discovered something. Something that the thieves did not know. The thieves had inadvertently stolen, among all the other stuff that they stole, 100 GPS trackers. <laughs> A box of GPS trackers. So when the tech entrepreneurs realized what had happened, all they did was go to their computer, turn on the software, and then they could literally see where the thieves were in the city. They were literally watching them on the computer screen. Oh, okay, they're driving up. Oh, now they're in the East Valley. Now they're trying to drop something off. Now they're trying to sell it. It obviously didn't take long for the police to be able to track them down because you could see exactly where they were going. The thieves actually, as it turns out, never had a chance. Every, every move they made was being observed. Every step they took was being tracked. Every decision that they made was being watched. They had nowhere to run. They had nowhere to hide. And we're in a series right now about a guy named Jonah, a prophet, who tried to run from God, desperately tried to run from God. But what Jonah may not have realized is that his every move was being tracked. His every step was being observed. There was nowhere for him to run. There was nowhere for him to hide. And what I love about Jonah is that Jonah's story is your story. Jonah's story is my story. Why? Because all of us, somewhere in our heart, all of us are runners. We all run from God in one way or another. Running from God just means resisting or avoiding that which we know to be good or right. And we've all done this. We do it in all different kinds of areas of our life. Maybe it's for you and your relationship. There's something that you know needs to be done a conversation that needs to be had, a, a, a discussion that needs to be, to be had, a habit that needs to be started or a habit that needs to be stopped, and yet we resist or we avoid doing that which we know to be good and right. We, we just run. Maybe it's in your finances. There are some decisions in 2018 that you know you need to make. You got to make them because if you don't, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna run into ruin financially and you go, I just, I'm resisting that. I'm avoiding that. We, we avoid it in all kinds of ways. We resist it in all kinds of ways. Maybe for you, it's in, in your career. There are some things that you need to do, some steps that you need to take, some decisions that you need to make. But it's just, it's, it's harder to do that, what you need to do, than it is to resist. And so you just avoid and you resist. And we all do this. Every single one of us does this in some part of our life. It might not be as dramatic as driving around the East Valley, East Silicon Valley, you know, with some stolen property. But all of us do this. We all hide. We all avoid. 
in some part of our heart, in some part of our life. And as I was praying this week about this phenomenon, this thing that I know that I do, and I know that you do, and you know that you do, and you know that I do, and you know that each other do, and we all do, as I was praying about it, I thought, why do we do this? Like, why do we incline ourselves towards that which harms us and avoid that which is good for us? Why do we do that? And I was praying about it this week. I was really trying to grapple with it because, you know, Jonah's story is so sort of unique. It's so it's so it's so its own thing. He's being called to Nineveh. He doesn't want to go. But but why do we do it? Why do I do it? Why do you do it? And the more I prayed about it and thought about it, I think that our reasons are different for each one of us. For some of us, it's pride. It's pride. We think we actually think we know better. We have an idea in our mind about what we should do, what would be right, what would be good. But, but really, we think that there might be a little shortcut. There might be a loophole that I can take a sh- that, that would help me to get to where I want to go. And, and I know the Bible says this, and I know God says this, and I, but actually, I've got a better plan, right? The problem is that once you've started down a path like that, it's really hard to get off of it. You know, you get entrenched. When you've made a decision, even if it's a bad decision, have you noticed that? If you've made a bad decision, it's, it's sometimes easier to stick with that decision than to stop and turn it around. My grandfather was actually famous for when he would drive. If he ever made a wrong turn, I don't think, I don't know if my cousin's here this morning, but he'll vouch for me. If he ever made a wrong turn, he was famous for, instead of saying, um, oh, I made a wrong turn, I'm going to go back. He would say, oh, hey, I just wanted to show you guys something up here. <laughs> I mean, he did this all the time. It was classic. I've seen parts of St. Louis that none of you have ever seen. I mean, he would literally drive around until he found something to show us. And he'd go, you see that building right there? That was built in da-da-da. And we're going, do you think we're buying this? You know, then we would go back on the path. Because he didn't want to say, I took a wrong turn. I actually use that technique. It's very slick. It's very helpful. Especially with your kids. They don't even know the difference. So. But sometimes we just, we run because of pride. Because we, we want to we we do it our way. Even when it harms us. Some of us, it's not pride, it's pain. We've experienced pain. We've been hurt. And now we want to avoid anything that has to do with that thing that hurt us. Some of you have gotten hurt in a relationship. And now you avoid intimacy. You avoid connection with other people. You avoid love because you don't want to get hurt again. The pain of being hurt is too strong. And so now you avoid it altogether. Maybe for some of you, it's... it's church religion god like you got hurt somewhere along the line somebody that was a christian hurt you said something did something that hurt you and now you don't want anything to do with anything that remotely resembles god or religion or jesus you're only here today because somebody forced you to come somebody begged you to come somebody pleaded with you to come and so you're doing them a favor and you're going that's me like i don't like this i don't want to be a part of this kind of thing because i've been hurt here before and so we run we run, and we avoid, and we resist, right? Sometimes, sometimes it's not pain. Maybe it's, 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 it's close to pain. Maybe it's fear. Like, we know that there's something that we should do or that, we, that God wants us to do, and a lot of times this is something that we just, we absolutely know would, would benefit us. We know it would advance us, but we're afraid because if we do it, what if we fail? What if we fail, and then we're back to where we started? which is where we are now, so there's no reason to not try, but we do, we're afraid, we're afraid because, you know, maybe you started a business venture or, or 
a ministry or something at some point and, and you bombed and you blew it. At our church, we have this fail fast policy and, and we have these life groups. And if your life group, you start a life group and, 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 and it just bombs, that's okay because the semester will be over and you can try again with a different life group. You know, I've done that. I've bombed a couple times in my life group attempts. But, but we get afraid of failure and so we just don't try again. We avoid, we run even in our spiritual life, like maybe we tried to stop doing uh, uh, something that, that we know to be harmful and detrimental or we tried to start you know, praying on a more regular basis or whatever, some spiritual discipline, but we dropped the ball and then we go, you know what, I don't even want to try again because if I, if I do it again, then I'm going to fail again. If I fail again, I'm going to feel horrible. And so I just, I just don't do it. And maybe there's a more covert reason for you. Maybe it's comfort. Maybe we run because... We're comfortable where we are. And God is calling us to something bigger and something greater. But the strain of going after that thing seems too intense. And our, our fear is greater than our faith. And we say, I, I just, I'm good where I'm at. And God's saying, I got more for you. I want something bigger for you. I want more. And you say, I just, I just don't want to go. Whatever the motive is, whatever the motivation for you to run and for me to run is, the result is the same. We all run. Every single one of us runs. But what we learn when we study the life of Jonah is that no matter how far we run, and no matter how fast we run, and no matter how long we run, and no matter how strong we run, God in his relentless love and mercy keeps running after us. He keeps pursuing us. He keeps reaching out for us. He's got his tracker device on us. He's watching where we're running and he's coming after us. Not to take us down, but to take us up. Not to knock us down, but to bring us up. He wants to, to, to pour out his love because the thing that he's trying to get you to do is better than the thing that you want to do. His, his, his destiny for you, his direction for you is better than your desire for yourself. His principles are actually better than your preference his invitation to you is better than your inclination for yourself he's running after you now when when i start talking about jonah i know that there are a certain segment of the of the congregation today that are going oh jonah like that's like that, that, i you know actually i can't get anything out of that story because it's just too weird Right, like you're having flashbacks to the flannel graph board in Sunday school, and you're like, ah, that was like, right? And you're watching Veggie Tales with your kids. You're going, that's like a weird kid story. There's a guy he gets eaten by a, a whale or a big fish. It's just, it's too ridiculous. I can't even, can't even get my head in, in, into that story. What I would, what I would respectfully ask you to do for the moment, is to just pause your skepticism on this story. All right, just set it aside for a moment because it turns out the story is not actually about whether an actual fish can swallow an actual man. That's not the point of the story. And if you're just focusing on that and going, well, I just don't know if I can believe that story, you know, you're going to miss the point. And the point is applicable to you because Jonah's story is your story. In the commentaries, as you read about the story, some people are saying, oh, this is historical biography. Others are saying, eh, it's a parable or it's an allegory or it's a metaphor. That is a good and important theological discussion, but for today, let's just set that aside and let's focus on what God is trying to say to us. Because what he's actually saying in Jonah is that God is in pursuit of you when you find yourself in impossible situations. 
When you are over your head, he's there. When you're underwater, he's there. When you're swallowed up by some situation that's greater than you can handle, he's there. No matter where you are, God is there in his pursuit of you, in his love for you, in his mercy, and in his grace for you. So let's set aside the the question of historicity, and let's look at the point of what God is saying to you and me today, because he's saying, I'm in pursuit of you. So I want to pick up the story uh, where we left off last week. If you were here last week, uh, you, you know where we are in Jonah. If you weren't, you can either go see it on our website. You can go on our, uh, online and watch the sermon from last week, or I'll give you a brief summary real quick. In the story, God says to this prophet, Jonah, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. Nineveh is this Assyrian country. They're the, the sworn is, uh, enemies of Israel. And, and God says to Jonah, I want you to go up and I want you to preach to them because they're doing all this bad stuff. I want you to preach. I want, I want them to repent. I want to be able to show mercy, love to them. Jonah says, Jonah's a proud man. He's proud of his heritage and his religion and his ethnicity and his race and his culture. And he's like, I don't want them to experience the mercy and grace that I'm experiencing. I don't like them. I'm not interested in them. So what he does, rather than go to Nineveh, is he charters a a Mediterranean cruise to the southern beaches of Spain and runs the exact opposite direction, 2,500 miles. But as he's sailing and enjoying basking in the sun, God sends a storm, and, and, and the storm disrupts his life. Sometimes God uses interruptions to redirect us. And, and, and so this storm comes along, and Jonah is, is, is running, and he doesn't even care. Everybody else is freaking out. They're throwing cargo overboard. They're trying to calm down the storm. Jonah goes down into the bottom of the boat and goes to sleep, falls asleep, like curls up in a ball, passes out. The captain comes down and goes, dude, you need to wake up and start praying to whoever you pray to because we're all about to die. So Jonah comes back up on deck, and that's where we start the sermon today. Okay, it says this. Jonah comes back up, and the sailors say to each other, Come, let us cast lots and find out who is responsible for this calamity. Casting lots is like the the modern-day equivalent would be sort of drawing straws, right? They said, okay, we're going to find out who did this. But God used this this drawing straws technique uh, to, to point them in the right direction. Who's responsible for this calamity? They cast lots, and Jonah drew the shortest straw. So they asked him, Jonah, tell us, who is responsible for making all of this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you you come from? What is your country? What people are you from? So they're grilling him. What do you do, man? Why are we experiencing this storm? What, What is your deal? Jonah answers. He says, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, although he's not exactly worshiping the Lord right now. He's running from the Lord. I worship the Lord sometimes, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Now, this is going to, as a sailor, when you find out that the guy that is, is running from the Lord, that the Lord that he serves and the Lord that he worships actually made the sea, this causes some panic for you. So it says they, they were terrified. This terrified the sailors. And they asked him, what have you done? What have you done, Jonah? They knew he was running from the Lord because he had already told them. The sea, it says, was getting rougher and rougher, and so they asked him, and I love their question, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? That's a leading question. We have some ideas about what we might should do to you, Jonah. What do you think we should do? And, and, and Jonah could have answered in a way that would have stopped the story. 
What he could have said, there were, there were a couple obvious possibilities. One is, he could have said, guys, listen, man, I have been running from the Lord, and it's not working out. And there are storms everywhere. And the sea is coming over the boat, and we're all about to die. And you guys have been thrown over your cargo, so all your money and your shipment, like whatever, that's all lost. And your life is in danger, and my life is in danger. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to stop running, and I'm going to get down on my knees, and I'm going to repent. And I'm going to say, Lord, I'm sorry for what I did. I will follow you. I've gone the wrong way. I was prideful. I went too far. I've taken this too far, but I want to stop, and I'm going to turn around, and I'm going to give you my life. He could have done that. I mean, he really could have. Jonah could. But you know, when you're running, it's hard to stop running. You got momentum. You're running, man, and it is hard to stop running. Jonah was not done running. He was still running from God. He was still fighting God. He was still resisting. So here's what he says. Pick me up and throw me into the sea. And it will become calm, he said. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Jonah's answer is so insightful. Because you know, when you're, when you're running from God, you're actually running from good. When we run from God, when we do the thing that we know is the opposite of what we should do, we, are, we inevitably end up sabotaging ourselves. We inevitably end up inflicting injury and harm upon ourselves. You know this from your experience. You know this from people that you know when they're doing something and you can see they're going down the wrong path and you want to stop them and you go, that's not going to work out for well, well for you. That's not going to turn out well. And you want to stop them, but they won't stop. They just keep running. And you know it from your own life. You know there have been times where you go, look, I actually know this is wrong and I'm going to still do it. I'm going to keep, I'm going to, uh, and then the repercussions and the ramifications come. When we run from God, we run from good. Jesus tells this story about a young man who has a father who loves him, has a father who has a, a, a plan for this kid. This father is wealthy and he's got fields and houses and servants and properties and animals and livestock. And he's got, the, he's got a plan for his son. He's got a destiny for his son. But the son decides he wants to run. He says, I want to run. He gets his inheritance and he takes off. Jesus tells this story. He says the guy goes to a faraway country. He takes all of his money that his dad gave him and he takes off running. And he ends up for a while, everything's cool. He's got you know, wine, women, and song. And he's spending money and he's having parties and he's doing great. But then he runs out of money. There's a famine in the land. Things stop working out. There's a storm that enters his life. And suddenly, not only is he not having so much fun, but now he's out of money. And now he's out of friends. And now he's away from his family. And now he's hurting. And he goes to a, a, a pig farmer. And this is a Jewish kid. So these are not, this is not the environment you want to be in, right? And he goes to a pig farmer. And he goes, I, I'm desperate. Can I have a job? The guy says, yeah. Gives him a job. And he's making just pittance. So, so little money that he literally has to eat the slop out of the trough, right? Because what he, when he runs from his father, he's running from the good that his father can provide. And when we run, we know this. When we run, we wreck our relationships, when we run, we screw up our finances. When we run, we mess up our friendships. When we run, our families get busted up. When we run, we, we wreak havoc. We wreak damage on ourselves. Self-sabotage. We do it all the time. We see it in other people. It's just hard to see in us. And, and sometimes people will try to stop us. Sometimes if you have good friends, they'll try to go, hey, man, you know, hey, you're going down the wrong path, right? I, I don't want you to keep going down this path. You're going to hurt yourself. 
going to harm yourself. And that's what, even though these sailors were not Jonah's friends, they didn't know him. They said, hey, we're, we're going to try to keep you from harming yourself. So here's what they said. They said, we're not going to throw you overboard. Instead, they did their best to row back to the land. But they couldn't row back to the land because the sea kept getting wilder and wilder and wilder. You see, the more Jonah resists, the more God responds. Not to bring Jonah down, not to harm him, but he wants to turn him around. And he keeps running into these walls. It's not because God likes you running into walls. It's because he wants to point you in a different direction. And so these guys are saying, hey, look, listen, we're trying to, we're trying to help you, man. But when somebody is running, and, and we should always just surround people with love when they're running and surround them with, with, with advice and counsel and love and help and all that. But if somebody is insistent on running, they will not stop bringing harm to themselves until they stop running. And that's what happens with Jonah. He's still running. So the sailors, you know, they have to save themselves at a certain point. So it says, they cried out to the Lord. And I love this prayer. Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. If you ever hear somebody praying that prayer near you, <clears throat> things are about to go badly for you. I, there are, I do this. Have you ever? I apologize in advance. I'm about to do something that I don't know if I should. I'm going to apologize. In, Lord, please do not take, let us die for taking his life. Do not hold us accountable for killing a, an innocent man. They still see him as innocent. For you, Lord, have done as you pleased. And then they did what they had to do. It says, they took Jonah and they threw him overboard. And the raging sea grew calm. Here's what happens when we keep running. When we run long enough, we eventually run out of options. You ever heard that phrase, wherever you go, there you are? You know, you keep running, you keep trying to change the situation, you keep trying to change the circumstance, and you keep finding that, gosh, I'm in the same spot that I was in. I'm in the same spot. Different people, different faces, different names, different buildings, maybe different city, but I'm in the same. And you do that long enough and you start to go, I'm running out of options. I don't know, I don't know where to turn next. My, my brother-in-law, uh, he, whenever he comes to town, he and I like to play chess. And there are two problems with, with he and I playing chess. Problem number one is he's not very good at chess. That's the first problem. He's just not a good chess player. And he wouldn't mind me saying that. And you might think, well, why is that a problem? Because, you know, if he's not good, then that means you can beat him. The, the reason it's a problem is because as bad as he is, I'm actually worse. So the, the fact that he's not a good chess player highlights how bad of a chess player I am. And so we get the chessboard out, and we like to, you know, we like to play, and it's really a coin toss. I mean, it's literally like, psh, who knows? We don't even know if we're moving the things in the right direction. But anyway, <laughs> so we play this game, and he... He comes at Christmas, and we had played a few games, and we were kind of neck and neck, 50-50. And right before he's getting ready to leave to the airport, so this is going to be the last game, the last game before he leaves, he says, let's just play one more game. And I'm like, okay. So we get out the board, and I do my pawns, like my opening move to try to take control of the center of the board, right? I do my pawns. Boom, boom. But in four moves, he says a word that you never want to hear your brother-in-law say when he's playing chess with you, especially in four moves. He says, checkmate. And I'm like, what? What he had done is he had called a buddy of his. 
and he learned what was called the scholar's opening, which apparently is like the, the, the trap for, for fools. And, and in four moves, I was out of options. There was nowhere for me to go. I was stuck. And then he's like, hey, man, sorry, we got to get going on a plane. Love you, man. Peace. So he's not coming back next Christmas. And sometimes in our life, we, we're in checkmate. We're out of options. We've run, we've hidden, we've avoided, we've resisted, we've made a lot of choices on our own, and eventually we get to a point where it's like, I just don't know where to go anymore. I just don't, I just don't see where I can go. Maybe today sometimes you, some of you feel like you're in checkmate, like you have no more options in your relationship, like you've tried and, and you've, you've just wrung it out, and it's, it's toast. Maybe for some of you it's in your finances. You know, you're like, man, I just, I've gotten in this, I've gotten in this cycle and now we're, we're busted. And I don't know, yeah, I have no idea, I have no options. Maybe it's in your spiritual life. You've run and you've tried all this stuff and you've tried to, you know, find happiness or whatever it is that you're pursuing and, and you're just stuck. And you're like, there's nowhere else to turn. I'm, I'm stuck. What am I going to do? Whatever it is, maybe it, in, in your life you feel like you're, you're literally out of options. But... God always provides a way. You see, Jonah, I love this. Think about this moment. They throw Jonah into the ocean. The sea immediately calms down. Now the sea is calm and the boat is like 20 feet away from Jonah. Jonah is dog paddling in the ocean. The sea is calm. There's the awkward moment of the sailors looking at Jonah going, oh, you know, one of the sailors, maybe a nice one, says, should we pick him back up? And the other sailor's like, no, let's just keep... Keep on driving. And Jonah is in that water going, I'm out of options. I just got checkmated. I basically, I, call, I said, I thought maybe, you know, maybe I was bluffing. Throw me into the ocean. I don't care what happens to me. Throw me into the sea. I don't care what happens. And they did. And now what? You're stuck. You're out of options. But God has this uncanny way of always providing a way out, even when there appears to be no options. So the scripture says, the Lord provided, and here's, here's what's fascinating about God. When there is literally no chance for you to escape, he'll provide a way. If you remember the story of Jesus hanging on the cross, there was a thief next to him. This guy had run out of options. He was literally hanging on the cross next to Jesus. It was over. It's done. He had been running his whole life. He had sabotaged his life. He had, he had destroyed his life. He had injured his life. He had harmed himself. His life was shot. It was done. Game over. Checkmate. You're gone. You're done. And he turns to Jesus on the cross next to him and says, can you remember me in your kingdom? And you remember what Jesus says? He says, this day you will be with me in paradise. There's always a way out. There's, all, there's always another chance. There's always another chance. Jonah is in the water, and I'm sure at this point he's going, man, I just got checkmated. I, just, I got no more options. God, could you provide me with a life raft or a dinghy or a sailboat or a jet ski or a submarine or something? Can you? you see, but God always provides, but sometimes it's not in the way that you think. Because his provision is still meant to bring you around. The Lord says, the Bible says, the Lord provided 
a huge fish. That's not what he was expecting. A huge fish, but it was provision. A huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And here's just, I love this line. This is just beautiful. This is a great story. You guys should read this, this story. It's only like four pages. The whole book of Jonah is like four pages. It says, from inside the fish, Jonah did something. He has not done this whole daggone story. This whole time. One thing, everybody else is doing it. Everybody else has got the... Jonah, th- for the very first time in his story, it says he prayed. Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God. He finally said, well, I surrender. Um, I give. There's nothing else that I can do. Even when we run from God, we cannot outrun God. He keeps coming after us. He keeps pursuing us. He keeps trying to reach us. He keeps trying to pull us in. We cannot outrun God. In the story that Jesus told about the Samaritan, uh, about, the, uh, uh, about the son, the prodigal son, there's a moment for the son where he goes, he's at the bottom. He's in the belly of the whale. He's in the trough of a pig. And he goes, I'm, I, I'm out of options. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to break my pride. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to suck it up. And I'm going to go back to my dad's house. And I'm going to say, hey, you know, just let me be a servant. I'll just, I'll just, whatever. I'll just do whatever. Anything is better than where I'm at right now. And so he makes his way back to his father's house. And if you remember, there's a, there's a, there's a detail in this story that I think you got to get. Because what happens in the story of this son is that it says the father is up on the porch. And he's looking out. And he sees his son way out there. And you remember what he does? He runs. He runs. The dad runs off the porch. And he goes and he grabs his son and he kisses him on the neck and he takes his ring off, puts it on his finger, puts the robe around his neck, kills the fatted calf. He runs. You see, here's what God is saying. Here's what God is saying. You're a runner and I'm a runner, but he's a runner too. He's a runner. And when we're running away from him, he's running after us. He's running after us with his loving pursuit, his relentless pursuit, his infinite grace, his infinite mercy. He's running after us because he wants to bring us home. He's not trying to harm us. He's trying to help us. He's not trying to bring us down. He's trying to lift us up. And so he just keeps coming after you. What would it look like for you today in your life, wherever you are on your spiritual journey, what would it look like for you to stop running in the area where you're running? What would it look like for you? Maybe for some of you, it's like you've been running from even just the idea of making a commitment to God because of, for whatever reason, you know, whatever reason, the pain, the pride, the fear, the comfort, whatever. And you've, and today is like, okay, today is the day where you do it. You say, I'm going to make a commitment. You can do, put it on your connection card. I'm making a commitment to Christ. I'm going to actually just make the decision. And I don't know where the chips are going to fall, but I'm tired of running. I'm tired of fighting. I'm tired of resisting. I'm tired of avoiding. And today you make that commitment. You say, I'm going to, I'm going to make that commitment. 
Or maybe it's a prayer. And you say, look, I'm going to, maybe you do it anonymously. I'm going to put it on this connection. I'm going to put a prayer on this connection card. And I'm going to, in my own heart, I'm going to pray. And I'm going to ask this, this church to pray with me. Don't even, if you don't want to tell us your name, don't tell us your name. But whatever, there's a step that you need to take. Maybe it's just the next steps. Maybe you go and get involved in the life of a church. You know, here or somewhere. Somehow. You, you take a step. You go, okay, I'm going to stop running. I'm going to turn around. I'm going to start pursuing. Because God is in pursuit of me. What does it look like when we do that? Collectively. When as a church family, we all go, all right, you know what? We're not, we're gonna, we're not gonna resist. We're not gonna avoid God's destiny. We're not gonna avoid God. Even though it might not align with our desire, we're gonna go after it. Even though his, our preference might not be his principle, we're going after his principle. Even though our inclination is to avoid his invitation, we're gonna deny ourselves and we're gonna take up our cross. We're gonna follow him. What does it look like for you? What does it look like for us? Because here's the bottom line for every single one of you. Just take this with you. No matter how fast you run, no matter how far you run, no matter how long you run, no matter how strong you run, God is running after you and he will not stop. He will not stop until he reels you all the way back in. Let's pray. Let's pray. God, right now, I pray for your spirit to, to, to break open our hearts. I pray that you would communicate what I've been trying to communicate. You communicate it for us, for me. Whatever is going on in the heart of each and every person here, wherever they are running, wherever they're avoiding and resisting, wherever I'm avoiding, wherever I'm resisting and running, God, break open our hearts and help us to turn around. Help us to turn around and start running after you. Because we know that you're running after us. And you want our good. And you want to lead us to our destiny and our purpose and our hope. You want what is good for us to help us to stop running from your good and start pursuing you with everything we've got. Father, we just ask that, I just pray for the person that's hearing this right now who's still resisting. Who's still resisting because they're afraid. Because they've, 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 they've experienced pain because they're prideful, because they're comfortable. Break open their heart, God. Break open their heart. Reach in and bring us home. Father, we pray in your name, to your honor, to your praise, to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.